0: are going to need a bigger boat. No, I am your father. I'm going to make him an awful camera. Life was like a box of chocolates.
1: Wax on, wax off. I see Daddy. Here's Johnny. He's alive. You can't handle the truth.
2: Good morning, dinner. Frankly, my dear,
3: I don't give a damn. Get away from her. You
2: bitch! When I leave, I'll take my new gym
1: bag. <laughs> simple as that. Cinematic leap. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply a six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, and then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member associated with this pod's movie to choose our next movie. Rules are simple. Whoever chooses this pause movie sits out the future selection. One of our hosts chooses the actor, director, crew member, with the final host getting to choose the movie. You can't choose an actor, director, crew member that's been chosen within the last six choices. As always, I am joined by two of my best mates, Michael Thompson. Hey, hey, hey. And Glenn Greening. Hello. Gentlemen, how are we? Good. Very good.
3: Going well,
0: fresh off watching Magic Men.
3: Oh, you watched it today? Yes,
0: I did. I did. I mean, yeah. Not, not forty minutes ago. I finished watching it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at least it's fresh in your mind, Michael. Fresh, that's the main thing. Absolutely. So yes, that's right. As Michael has forewarned everybody, we are reviewing the movie, the two thousand and three black comedy. Film Matchstick Men, which stars Nicolas Cage, Sam Rockwell and Alison Lohman. Also features Bruce McGill, Bruce Altman and Sheila Kelly. It was directed by Ridley Scott and is based on the Eric Garcia novel of the same name. Budget of $62 million made just made its money back, making $65 million. It was rated 7.3 on IMDb, 7.1 on Rotten Tomatoes and has a meta score of 61%. Would you like to tell me
2: what's been bothering you?
1: No, I don't like being outdoors. Tell me you've left the house in three days.
0: Mm. One, two, three. Have you eaten anything in three days? Mm-hmm. Besides canned tuna?
2: Mm-mm. Anything else? Obviously, I have a lot of ticks. <laughs> <laughs> These
0: distractions affected you workably. What would you do if you had to change careers?
2: What, if I wasn't an antiques broker?
0: If you weren't a criminal. This is Dr. Klein. I just got off the phone with Angela, your daughter, She says she really wants to meet you.
2: Remember me? All of a sudden, I have a daughter. <laughs> in here.
0: Now you have to set an example for someone else.
2: Beer. Uh. Cheers. Uh. Just try to be as honest and open with them as possible. Right.
3: You're a con man?
2: Con artist.
3: And that guy Frank?
2: He's my partner. Teach me something. Rule number one, never work near where you live. Don't Rule number two, don't write anything down. <laughs> you regret it, exposing her to that? Well, you know, it was a little... It made me feel a little... You know, I was a little... I really liked it. How much do you think we can take that guy for? 30 grand. More. Come on, I'm 21! This 14-year-old girl... ...working these people with me. My dad a smooth operator! <coughs> I'm not very good at being a dad. I barely get by being me. You good to go? Is a poo-poo in the woods? Just say yes, okay? There's one last thing. What? Le- I want you to give the money back. This is so... You think crime isn't paid? No, it does. It does, just not very well.
1: So, gentlemen, matchstick Men, quick thoughts? Ooh, I mean,
0: it, you know, it was entertaining. Um... I felt slightly predictable. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was great to see Nick Cage play a, you know, a really nuanced character. I mean, it's always great to see Nick Cage. I think he's our um,
1: podcast mascot. He is. He is very much so. Glenn?
3: Uh, well, I chose the movie, so I think that I did that because I like it. Um, <laughs> so, yes, we'll, we'll get to that. I mean, I did like it 20 years ago when I watched it. Yeah. Um, and yeah watched it again and i still like it it's held up it's yeah it's really hard when we do the synopsis for this podcast when you watch a movie and you have to really take note of what's going on and you know i was just pausing it a lot and it's it's difficult i know you watch it more than once scott when you do it but yeah yeah, it would flow much nicely much more nicely if i didn't pause it a lot and keep taking notes (laughs) but yeah it's good (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is something uh, that I have started to do is trying to watch it twice. So the first time I just watch the movie just to enjoy it, and the second time I'll I'll quite often go back and that's where I'll stop and have it like make some notes each time and you know, sort of go back and look at key points that I might have missed in the first one. Now, for those listening, if you haven't seen it, we there will be some spoilers within this. Just a few. So there's going to be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, stop the pod, watch the movie, come back and listen to us. It's a good idea.
3: I think that's now, a great idea.
1: <laughs> I was the person that chose The Leap and I did choose Ridley Scott, um, which I think threw Glen a bit of a, a curveball at the time, uh, which is always fun to do. Um, hmm. My reasoning for going to the Ridley Scott path is, you know... I I've liked a lot of his movies. He's been involved in a lot of movies, um, not just as a director, which he was on this one, but also as a producer. Um, you know, things like Gladiator, Hannibal, Blackhawk Down. Um, I think he was heavily involved in the Alien movies as well, especially originally, if memory serves. Might be probably more across that one. I know Alien 2 was one of your favourite movies. Mm. Uh, Blade Runner, which I think sort of kick-started his career. more recently House of Gucci which if you haven't seen it don't bother Um, and I guess yeah I I actually picked the reason why I mainly picked Ridley Scott was was really for two reasons one to throw Glenn a curveball because I think he was expecting an actor and that was fun Uh, and I was also hoping to try and get Gladiator so uh, I got one I missed the other (laughs) we didn't get Gladiator no you're Uh, never going to get that from me So, Dwayne, why did did you pick the movie?
3: Well, because you said Ridley Scott and I had no (laughs) idea what to do. Um, I don't (laughs) like Gladiator (laughs) when I saw it. I've never seen Blade Runner and, I mean, nothing against it. I mean, because I haven't seen it, but I just quickly scrolled through because I had to pick something and that jumped out at me because I remember really liking it when I saw it many years ago. Um, Yeah. Not, I mean, yeah, Thelma Louise
0: is there, you, you would have known that one. That's a, a classic, uh,
3: yeah, 90s film, yeah, yeah. But I was scrolling the other way from the most recent, so I might not have got there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Interestingly, he did, yeah, um, okay. I haven't seen it yet, but he did the last duel with um, a few big actors, and it kind of you know, it intrigued me. Um, might have to look at that,
1: but he's still making a lot of stuff. He also. He also did GI Jane, which has um, been quite controversial over over semi-recent times. Well, you know, he pays the bills. <laughs> so what... Yeah, uh, it was a, a slap
0: that uh, shocked Hollywood, shall we say? <laughs> Interestingly, uh, Ridley Scott Gladiator Two. There's a second Gladiator coming out, so maybe that
1: could redeem yes. the whole thing for you, Glenn. Oh, I thought the first one was great.
3: Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so, while I was watching this 20 years later, I have a bad memory and I was like, pretty sure there's a twist. I think it's, it involves this. I think it might involve that. But, yeah, I was still kind of surprised by parts parts of it. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll get into that a bit later. <laughs> well, rather
1: than later, let's start it now. You're, uh, you've got the synopsis for this week of... Uh... Of Mastic Men, this was your choice, so I'll uh, we'll throw it over to you.
3: All right, so I'll go through this, but feel free to jump in with any thoughts you had in certain scenes or sequences. Um, so basically, we start with Nicolas Cage uh, getting ready to leave the house and immediately introduced to his quirks um, as a character. He's got the o- got OCD. He's a bit, um, you know, one, two, three, opening doors and just has a little twitch here and there so he obviously has some sort of condition so we see that straight away and he also has a seems to have a strict routine it seems to follow the same even though we're seeing it the first time it seems to be a pattern introduced pretty quickly Um he arrives at an office where someone is on the phone scamming a lady oh yes Michael
0: oh look I mean I just kind of want to touch on uh, Nick Cage's performance and there's like you know it was you know there was that OCD and I, I thought it's very nuanced, like you know, as a, as an an actor, he really he just I I feel he nailed it. Like I you know felt believable with that sort of stuff. So, you know, certainly, um, in his performance of a mental you know mental illness, it's not like you know, Nick Cage being crazy. It's actually a really considered performance. So you know, I'd say watch this
1: film just for that. I. <laughs> And look, we'll, we'll come to the questions later, as we always do, but I, the first question I wrote down, and, and I'll well bring it up now, does he ever, does other than Connie, and look, I haven't seen Nick Cage's whole back catalogue, and I'll admit that, but does he ever play a normal character? Like, obviously, most recently we did an adaptation. Um, yeah, he was a little bit quirky in The Rock. Um, he, was, he was all over the shop in Face Off. Um, you yeah, know, leaving Las Vegas, he played a drunk. Uh, like he, if, you've, he's uh,
3: if you've seen the movie called Family Man, very good movie, Christmas movie. He plays a family man and a businessman. Very very oh, normal so everyday. Play? Uh, he played. Okay. He well, it's uh, you have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. okay. I've got, got two we, things we there, one, You
0: don't like you know you don't go to watch films to watch normal people. And he kind of you know there's that, but he's definitely played normal things.
1: I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Like there are movies out there, like A Family really? Man, or and, and on air, like he was pretty normal. But Raising Arizona. As soon as I let's go well back into the back catalogue. Actually, I, um, I have one um, National Treasure. So apart from
0: yeah, you know, he's a he's fairly normal in that. Um, yeah,
1: that yeah. nah, cool. All right, sorry, Glenn. Back to you.
3: No worries. So where he's uh, heading out to his, I guess it's his job in a way. Uh, he arrives at an office where there's uh, Sam Rockwell, I believe it is, on the phone scamming a lady. And he sees Nicolas Cage walk in and he says, oh, my supervisor's here. He can um, talk you through some of this. And they just have a little conversation with this lady, uh, grandmother, and saying she's won a prize. Um, that they're And that they're selling a $50 product for $100 he doesn't tell them it's a $50 product but they're selling a product for hundreds more dollars than it's worth and she says if she buys this product um, then she doesn't have to pay tax on the prize that she's won that she's definitely won Um, and they're trying to convince her and then the next thing we know they're both at her house and they're pretending to be someone else and they're investigating the scam um, that they've just done so obviously we're introduced very quickly into his line of work which is scamming Nice old ladies, innocent people who don't deserve it. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, so this movie is about an unlikable character because this, this is not a nice guy. <laughs> um, so they get into her house and they say, oh, you know, someone's doing this scam. That product's not worth anything. You know, you've been scammed. If you give a, you know, give us your account number and signature, so we can track them down and you know help you out. And so, yes, they. Do very well with the scam but then there's just another focus on Nicolas Cage's um, condition there where he's, a, I guess he's afraid of the outdoors or he's uncomfortable and the sunlight just comes in and he just freaks out um, he hasn't um, his partner is like I don't think you've had your medication today anyway back at the office um, Nicolas Cage mentions that he doesn't like long cons and he likes to he likes to just do the quick easy ones Um, which comes back later. He pops into the supermarket and he buys his can of tuna and I think one or two things. He's he's back showing his routine again. He goes home, hides his cash that he's got inside his dog statue, um, which shows a gun hidden inside as well. So he's got a hollow dog full of cash. there's a gun in there and you clearly see that and you think, okay, that's going to come back later. That's why they've shown that. He eats his tin of food for dinner and then Michael puts Yes. Well, I mean, you mentioned
0: this is an interesting film process or trope. Like, so uh, we see the gun in the dog, and it, you're right, it does come back later. And this is this is what's called Chekhov's gun, and it's one of those things where um, our the audience is drawn to an object or like or shown an object. It's like here is the thing, and like it's a, pretty much a sign that this is going. This object is going to have some importance later on. Um, and we see that in the film and. You never forget, like, because you always know the dog is there and it's also shown a second time. Um yeah, I just thought it's worth noting, like, you know, that's a, a film, like a, a story technique where you go, here is an object. Remember this yeah. is here because we're going to use it again later.
3: Chekhov's gun. Yes, and this time with, with the money and the gun in the dog, it was very deliberate here and very obvious. But, you know, it happens again later on with the ashtray, which I don't think is as obvious, but the ashtray that she buys in the gift shop comes back later as well. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, So anyway, next day he's doing his morning routine, but he accidentally knocks his medication down the sink. He calls his doctor and the doctor has moved away. So he's a bit stressed. He starts to panic. Um, He goes on a cleaning rampage around his apartment. Um, His partner is trying to call him and can't get through to him. And Nicolas Cage is just like meticulously cleaning just going crazy. The partner comes around to visit, and he sees how bad Nicolas Cage is. At this point, I'm still calling him Nicholas Cage because I don't know his name. Because I actually, I don't think I said it. Yeah, yet in the sometimes. movie, Roy Waller. Roy.
1: Yeah. Roy. No, Roy. I didn't. I didn't. But you get he's called Roy. Yeah, he's
0: called.
3: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll call him Roy. Anyway, in fact, I'm he does a he does, does a thing with a
0: pizza, um, where like you know he's you know uh, pizza for Waller, Waller, and he says that a number of
3: times. Yeah, but he didn't get a pizza yet because he's nah. eating cans of tuna. That's right. Anyway, I wrote down Nick, Nicholas Cage every time in my notes because I didn't know his name. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the partner comes around, sees how bad Roy is, and makes him breathe in a paper bag because apparently that that fixes things. I've, I've never understood how that we, calms people down, but anyway, apparently breathing in a paper bag is is a cure. Some to I think uh, it
1: helps stop the
0: hyperventilating. You, you're yeah, having yeah. you're breathing rebreathing carbon dioxide, which kind of you know, ah, lessens you he of oxygen, so.
3: All right. So he, uh, the partner, I think recommends here, a doctor or psychiatrist that he knows, um, to go and get some replacement medication. Um, he goes down and meets this, uh, psychiatrist. Um, he doesn't know what the medication was called that he's, that he's on, which I thought was a bit weird, but then later you find out it wasn't legal medication, I believe. So yes, I think maybe it was, mm. um, so the doctor said i'm not going to prescribe you anything without a conversation and so he starts talking about his condition he gets asked about his personal relationships he says he doesn't have any he hasn't been any with anyone since heather who is his ex-wife who left him pregnant about 15 years ago um he rants about how he wanted to kill himself the other day but he was worried about if he blew his brains out he'd leave a mess all over the carpet and he doesn't like a mess Uh, Anyway, he gets some tablets, but not the little pink ones. He gets uh, different ones, little blue tablets off the psychiatrist. He um, decides to, I guess this brought up thoughts of his ex-wife. He tries to give her a call, but he can't go through with it. Um, He can't actually stay on the phone long enough for her to answer. So he hangs up and he asks the doctor next time he sees him if he could call the ex-wife and find out if he actually does have a kid or not because he's, he's curious now. Whether the pregnancy resulted in him having a little kid. Um, the doctor calls back Roy and lets him know, yes, you have a daughter, Angela, and she wants to meet you. So this is the first big moment of the film where something's happening, something different in his life is changing. Yes, Scott?
1: No, it's, so it was just before this when um, Frank, Sam Rockwell, uh, refers him to his physician to this uh, psychiatrist and stuff like this, I, I'd i actually written in my notes. I'd written two things at this stage. Good music, was really enjoying the score. There's a bit of Frank Sinatra, which is not uncommon for a Nick Cage movie. Uh, and I think the score of, in the movie was excellent across the whole thing. Uh, the other note I made was, is he being conned at this stage? So, spoiler alert, first, first spoiler alert. This is, to me, this is, I'm going, hang on, something's not right. This is he is he being stitched up here and look i'm like you glenn i'd seen this movie before but probably not for at least 20 years well it was a 2003 movie so 19 years <laughs> so um i and look to be honest i had no recollections of the movie i remembered the dog statue but i didn't remember anything else so but in my notes i've, I've got there is he being conned that was the yeah, that was my notes at that stage. So this is where I started to have some doubts uh, in terms of what was actually going on. Mm. I, I was in a similar boat, like was, I think it was around the the
0: drugs being offered. I think it's like, you know, well, it's kinda I don't know, like, usually you'd get a script and then you go to a chemist. So, you know, the fact that he's giving him to the you know, the drugs. Um Yeah. And also Have you
3: seen this before, Michael?
0: No, I hadn't seen it at all. Um, okay. And I think when he says, um, no, you're, you know, your wife didn't want to talk to you, however, Angela did. It's like, well, you know, that was like a, it's like, hold on. Like, you know, this seems like that was another signal to me that it's something that bit sus. But carry on, Glenn.
3: All right. So, yes, the daughter wants to meet him. So he goes to this park and he's just watching sitting in his car watching young girls walking around. And I'm like, what is going on here? But um, <laughs> finally, his daughter rocks up on a skateboard and he finally goes and meets his daughter. They have a chat in the diner. She seems very innocent. Um, she calls him out for saying shit. Uh, she asks him about being a criminal and he says he's not a criminal. In He's in antiques. And... Um, I don't know how she knows he's a criminal so quickly. It's not in my notes here. Can anyone remember?
1: I I assume it's because that's what his her mum Heather would have told
3: her. Oh, uh, that's right. The mother. That's a legend story. Because
1: remember, because remember that her story was that he was in prison.
3: Yes, well, that's right. Well, first she said,
1: yeah. first she said that he was dead. Then she said, well, he may as well be because he was in prison. So instantly, she
3: thinks he's a criminal. yeah, yeah. That's, yep, yep, that's right. Sorry, I left that bit out so yeah he goes back to his office and he's a bit distracted he's happy he keeps staring at his daughter's phone number that's written on his hand he tells and yeah he's in a good mood so he tells his partner hey let's do that big con that you want to do you know i'm in a good mood i want to you know do something that for you you know do something good and so we go into the next con sequence, which these are my favorite parts of the movie spoiler alert (laughs) for the later in the podcast um so the consequence, he goes and gets a bunch of cash out of a safe deposit box. He dresses up like a finance guy, organises to head out, only to be interrupted by the doorbell, and it's his daughter. Um, she's run off from home and wants to stay with him. She yeah, treats his house like a teenage girl would, just throws a jacket down, walks around, and you know he's being a clean freak. He's like, ah, take your shoes off and what are you doing and he's just a bit stressed but he's on his way out to do his scam so he just leaves her there um and so she stays alone in his house putting on records and looking through stuff um part of that is i believe that happens now she finds the dog statue and sees the money and the gun in there um so Nick, no, sorry, Nicholas, Roy, and Frank have gone down to a strip club. Um, they are pretending to do a deal in front of their their t- new victim, um, and just to get him interested in what's going on. And then he goes home, and his place is a bit messy, and his daughter Angela is asleep on the couch. So, turns out she's going to stay for like four or five days, and. Suddenly he's at the supermarket with a full trolley, and he's cooking in his kitchen, and his life is a bit turned upside down. Really, um, he's starting to handle having a bit of a mess around, and he lets her drink beer. He orders pizza. He doesn't. He's not as obsessive about the cleanliness, um, and they seem to be bonding, which is good. Um, meanwhile, the sta- the scam is still going, and uh, they go out to lunch with the potential victim and start to reel him in. Um, they, what's he do, do? Just swaps over a little bit of money with him. Uh, yes, Michael.
0: Oh, like I was going to say, like the um, I, was, I guess that was the magic of cinema. That sequence is like you know, yeah, look, you've been a couple of days, and look how well it's going. I mean, who can honestly say, uh, yeah, I've you know hung out with a strange person, um, and I've had such a ball. Like you know this, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, it becomes, I guess, yeah, cinema does that really justice, but I think reality
1: you kind of go, eh, I, I call I call bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah, so creepy middle-aged man starts just hanging around with a 14-year-old girl who's apparently his daughter. Mm. He's, he would, these days probably raise a few red flags. But to counter that, as you said, cinema does it beautifully. Right, was he being scammed? No idea. Forgotten all about it. Absolutely 100% invested in, in, um, I can't remember her name, but in Roy and his daughter. Angela. Like, it was just, Angela. Sorry, I should have known that. Uh, just awesome. Like, I, I was 100% invested. Yes, I love this. And it, at this point, I reckon the movie really kicks in. Um, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I, I loved, um, just their chemistry that they actually had as, uh, well, suspected father and daughter. Like they just played it off each other beautifully uh, and I was in. I'd forgotten all about could Roy be scammed. No, nah, no idea. Don't care. 100% <laughs> love this relationship. Like it was just awesome.
3: Because she's really affecting uh, but, his his character and he's growing as a person and developing and it's really making a difference in his life. So you kind of, it's good to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can actually see this, this change that he's becoming um, – Not a normal person, but like a lot of his quirks seem to be going and and he seems to be really engaging rather than being quite standoffish uh, as he was previously. But no, I loved it at that stage.
3: Yeah. Um, So they do this little mini-scam with him and it's like a real just swapping over some uh, currency exchange basically, but without doing it sneakily. And uh giving him some cash just to reel him in before they do the bigger cash swap. Um, but actually don't swap it and take all the cash. Yes, Scott?
1: No, it's just saying it's called the Jamaican switch, apparently. <laughs> oh right. Is what it's called. <laughs> yes.
3: Um so that goes well and then the part, Frank says, I want to meet your daughter. And so they go back to Roy's place and she's not there. And he doesn't know where she is and he's being a parent and he's worried. And she comes back later on and he's quite angry that he didn't know where she was. He's suddenly acting like a parent. Um, They argue. She mentions that she knows about the money in the dog statue. um, And she storms out and he convinces her to come back in. Um, They talk about what he does for a living. Um, He calls himself a con artist because it is art. Um, And she asks him to teach her, and he says no. And she says that she's not innocent. She's like, I've done things with boys, and she threatens to tell him about it. She starts to talk about, you know, go into detail about what she did. And she's a 15-year-old girl, and this is the father. He doesn't want to hear this stuff. So she's like, okay, okay, I'll tell you how to be, I'll tell you the rules of being a con artist. And so this sequence he goes through the rules of um, successful to be a successful con artist. Um, he teaches her a little lottery scam. They target a lady at the laundromat. Um, won't go into the detail, but basically she thinks she has a winning ticket that she the daughter dropped, and so they decide to share the money, but the daughter can't claim it. So the lady withdraws what the winnings would have been and gives the girl half, and she goes off to claim the winnings, but there's no winnings because it's a fake ticket. Um, and so part of this scene is the drawing the money out at the ATM and he's watching her in the car and he's saying to her, avoid the cameras, avoid the cameras, don't, you know, he's just sort of saying it to himself while she's at the ATM and he's sitting in the car and he's like, stay away from the cameras, stay away from the cameras. And she does the scam comes back and he's like, oh good, she, she, she did it well. She didn't go in front of the cameras. So, um, and then after they're successful and happy, he says, "Now go give it back. That was just a lesson. You go give the money back now you keeping it I wouldn't be a good father if you kept that money <laughs> which is quite quite fun to see, uh considering what he he does <laughs> quite often um so yeah, she took to it well. she was a natural um so then he goes and works with his partner, planning frank uh planning some more scam stuff. He goes bowling with his daughter, they bond a bit more. Um, He gets a call from his partner and the scam has to happen now because the guy is leaving. He's heading to the airport, uh, the guy they're scamming. So there's no time to take his daughter home. She's going to have to help with the scam because she's, well, she's not going to have to, but she asks, can I help? And he says, yes. So she goes with him to the safety deposit box and he withdraws a bunch of cash just to show the guy. But the plan is the guy isn't going to actually take all the cash. He's going to take an empty briefcase that they switch at the last second. So they go to the airport, they do the switch. Um, The daughter is used to help in the scam by creating a distraction to just distract the guy they're scamming. He turns around and looks at the daughter who's causing a scene nearby while Nicolas Cage swaps the briefcase, the empty briefcase, with the full money one that he had just shown the guy. Um, And so they get away with it until they are leaving the car park and they get in the car they're happy. they got two bags of money and they came with one, so they're very happy. But um, as they drive out of the car park, all of a sudden, here comes the guy who got scammed and he's not happy because he's discovered what's happened. He grabs the girl. He's got her hair. It's quite violent. She's screaming and he's trying to drive out of the. He's on the top level of the car park and he's trying to drive down the car park through all the levels while the victim of the scam takes the stairs and he's going down trying to catch them before they leave. And then as in all chase scenes or comedy, they get stuck at the exit and it's a big delay and it's the tensions building, but it's also kind of comedy. Um, and they just get away from him and drive off. So close call, but um, but they get away. So he takes the daughter back to her mum's house and he's out of tablets again. And he pops to the pharmacy and he says, I need, a, I need more of these. He's desperate. And... The pharmacist says, "Well, okay, go get them. They're on the shelf. Like, you don't need. That's not a prescription medication." And he's like, "Yes, it is. You know, I got them off my, you know, doctor." And he's like, "No, it's this, and it's like menopause medicine or something like that. Supplement. Um, off the shelf, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a supplement, supplement, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, a thing that happened. Um, so next, he decides to try and get a lawyer to organise joint custody of his daughter. Uh, He's decided to be a better person. He's going to quit being a con artist and he and the daughter are going to be very happy. And um, then they come home and find the partner, Frank, uh, beaten up in his house and held at gunpoint by the victim who he just got away from earlier. Um, He demands some money and Nicolas Cage sends the daughter off to go get money and he Calls out, run, run when she gets out of the room. But she comes back with the gun that we saw earlier, that she found earlier in the dog statue, and she shoots the guy in the stomach, I believe. Yes, Michael? Just something I think,
0: like, you know, needs to be touched on just before that, like, you know, in between the pharmacy scene and going home and, like, the joint custody stuff. He talks to mm-hmm. his, his psychiatrist, um, who, you know, at this stage, we kind of, probably in on the scam. Um, And it's interesting. He says, well, you know, you know, your behaviour changed and I basically gave you a placebo um, mm. and you were doing pretty good. Uh, maybe it's not your actual, you know, a neurosis or something like that. Maybe it's actually just your own inner guilt, um, which then leads him to go, you know, maybe you're right, that's why I need to change, um, which kind of, you know, leads to that scene where he, you know, says to the daughter, I'm going to try for legal adoption and, he, you know, basically says to his partner yeah I'm out um, you know getting out of the business here's the here's the 40 grand
3: so you yeah. at this point Michael well, are thinking the uh, you're thinking the doctor is part of the scam I scamming Frank
0: like I knew it from the um, well earlier but yeah like you know certainly that pharmacy scene kind of led to it just going yeah yeah
3: you know, uh, yes, it's yes.
0: very unethical to give someone a, bliss, you know, that sort of like, you know, medication, like not to like to go, here's a, he's a fake stuff. Like, you, you know, um, yeah, ethically, I
1: don't think it's, it's sound. Yeah. I, this is where my, the whole it's a scam thing started just to eat back in um, <laughs> after being a hundred percent involved, just completely forgot about it because I was just wowed by Cajun Lyman, I just uh yeah I now I'm starting oh that's a bit weird okay
0: that's odd see for me that moment that that moment came on you know was confirmed with you know Angela on a skateboard just like you know it's like she's kind of like searching for him it's like you know where's my mark um and <laughs> and I never I, like you know whilst like the performances are good I never truly believed that you know that was the case and there's a few visual signs that match that up. We'll talk about those later.
3: Um,
1: yeah. I yeah. was completely the opposite. I was hundred percent I was I was in. Yeah. I was invested. I wanted to yes. I wanted to be true. To,
3: to,
1: um, Roy, do it. Yeah. Get custody. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> um, Don't use the same solicitor you used in, buddy. Or the same lawyer you used in Conair. Find a good one. <laughs> do something good. Come on, Nick. <laughs>
3: um so anyway, after yeah, after he gets shot, they go outside and uh, Roy sends Angela away with Frank, and he says to Angela, "You didn't shoot him. I shot him. I did that. You didn't do anything. You go. I'm going to deal with him. Um, you, you guys just get away from here." Um, and I think Frank. I think this is the last time Frank sees Roy, and he said the last his last words are, "I'm sorry." And he gets in the car and drives off with um, Angela. So those final words are interesting because... Is he sorry for what just happened or is he so- sorry for what is about to happen? Mm. Um, so, yeah. After they drive off, the guy who's been shot comes out and punches... No, he goes back in the house and he gets, uh, He comes out of nowhere and punches um, Roy in the face. And... Roy wakes up in a hospital bed with two cops or detectives questioning him. Um, he's a bit out of it. Um, he asks for his doctor. The doctor comes to see him, and I thought this was way too easily done. He just gives him the passcode for his safety deposit box to give to his daughter, and I'm like, hang on a minute. This is a really sick, this is a, his his life savings, and he's just whispering it to this doctor he barely knows to pass on to his daughter who he's just met recently, I just thought this bit was a bit far-fetched for me. I feel like they needed to do that a bit better. And then I started... Look,
1: look, we'll we'll cover this. Uh, This is is probably one of my big questions or queries because earlier in the movie, um, he actually puts her as a signing authority to his safety deposit box, which Mm, mm -mm. he's got. And he sort of indicates that he's got about a million bucks in there. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously the basis of of Frank Sam Rockwell's long con is to try and get all of Roy's money. Um, yeah, this at this obviously at, at this stage, right? You just it's starting to twig.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Hang on, something's not koshery. This just doesn't seem right. But you're right. This is this is a big glaring. Probably a, a disappointing part of the movie because you sort of go, hang on, but this this bloke's is is an ultra professional in terms of what he does and everything else in his life is so structured. Why would he do this? Like I know his life has changed with with his daughter coming in and, and he's becoming a better man, and we're seeing the the development of him and um, some real growth in him. But it does seem. Way out of character. It just seems way too yeah. simple. Get it, Michael? Yeah. You're probably going to tell me it's a plot point that we need to get to. Well, I mean, but it just <laughs> seems ridiculous. It's, it's it's interesting you say that. I think
0: like you know, um, the the movie seeds itself with like these things. He you know he says you know don't do a couple like you know because there's that whispering thing. Do uh, like a single person. Do like there's all these things he says to do, and he talks to Sam, you know, you know Frank and and Angela. And, of course, you realise that he, he is the mark. Like, you know, he is—he can be a mark. Like, you know, he is, you know, alone. He has no personal relationships. He has no real, you know, someone he can relate to. So, um, yeah, like, you know, you know, like Frank goes, has picked a mark and it's kind of executed. So it's sad, but, yeah.
3: Yeah, well, for me, it had been twenty years since I saw saw this movie, and I think I remember it being. I was remembering. I think there's a twist. I think the daughter. I think the daughter might not be his daughter, but I couldn't remember properly. But in this scene, that hospital room—that's where I really started to go. Okay, that does not look like a hospital room. Hospital rooms aren't massive like that, with one bed at the end, and that looks like some sort of building construction site staff room or you know some temporary (laughs) sort of you know building and i just to think that's not a hospital and this is part of the scam here that's not a hospital so they're not detectives yes yeah he gets up (laughs) he goes outside and he's on a rooftop somewhere in the middle of la or wherever they are and he realizes that his friend frank has screwed him over um and that the daughter helped, and you get this through the letter with the voiceover um, that he finds um, inside his. Was it in his dog? No, there was money in the yeah. dog. Yeah, he goes um, the months. safety deposit box. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah he, he
1: he left the letter. He left the letter in the dog, and he left some money in the safety deposit box. I think yep. it was actually yep. a letter at because it starts the narration, like.
0: From the moment he's getting out,
3: out. yeah.
0: So and there's a there's a Roy's stuff like you know thing there. So I think that's where the letters start, and then it's a series of them.
3: Yeah, then it's just like the montage as the letters read out of him finding the safety deposit box empty, and he doesn't even have a daughter, and yeah, a bit sad. But then a year later, he's a carpet salesman, and he doesn't seem to have his twitches or his um, condition anymore, which is nice and he's selling carpet to a young guy and then the the young guy's girlfriend comes over and he's like oh that's um that's angela and she looks a bit grown up <laughs> grown up now so they have a nice chat and well, to sum it up it's basically a no hard feelings sort of chat and he says you know you took nothing i gave it to you which is the whole i guess part of the scamming code is like you never take you always are given something mm. you know they always are giving it freely to you you're not actually stealing technically and he, and he mentions um, that
0: there's a, a point where he kind of i think he says that to the psychiatrist he yeah. says yeah
1: like they give the money to me yep
3: yeah. um it's yeah
1: it's funny here right so i think like i think like all of us you know you the hospital you just like uh and, and like whilst I had it in my mind in terms of this is what was going to happen when when he walks out of the hospital and he's on the top of a building and you just like go oh yep yeah, love it and the way they did it was, was, all, was actually really good like although I had an idea in terms of what was going to happen once it, it really hits you you just go yep yeah, nah really I love the twist really well done really nice twist
3: it wasn't usual suspects good but, but it was good
1: <laughs> no, it, it wasn't usual suspects good, but it the the part that absolutely dead set kicked me in the nuts was when he then goes to see Heather, and she goes, "What are you talking about? Like I, no, I miscarried. I never had that child." And then you, and then it really, really, then you sort of go, "Oh fuck!" So even Angela was just it was all all of that was also just bullshit. And because, like I said, like I was one hundred percent invested. Love it absolutely. I'm involved. Go Roy, come on, Angela, like this is awesome. And then just to that, it's just like, oh, that's fucking brutal. Like that just dead set kicked me in the nuts. I'm just going, Oh, that's harsh. And then when you see her later in the movie and he sort of forgives her, he, uh, yes, Jesus Christ, she doesn't certainly <laughs> she could dead Set screwed you over. Um, but yeah, oh when that when he when he goes to the house and it and you do you get these in movie like in movies where you are just like going, Oh no, don't 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 be that. And then when he goes to the house and he and she comes and he goes, oh that, you know, I'm here to say like Angela, our daughter. And she goes, what are you talking about? Like I miscarried, and you're just like gone off. Oh, no, no, I've involved, I've invested like an hour and a half into this relationship. What are you doing to me? You've killed me. <laughs> and the worst part was, I then watched the end of I end I had watched the last episode of Ted Lasso season one, which just gave me a kick in the nuts again. Sorry, spoiler alert, if anyone had not seen Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um yes so i'll just quickly finish this off and then we can talk more about it um but yeah twists is all bad is no good but yeah the carpet the, the carpet salesman bit a year later where they just have that little conversation to wrap it up and he's like no hard feelings and he says you know you look you look older and she says i am i am older like she was older all along and um yeah it was it's good and I think she says bye dad at the end or no she says um did you want to know my name and he says i know your name you know because he doesn't want to let that time go that he had Um, and i think she says bye dad or something at the end and um anyway he pops down to the uh, supermarket and he buys a whole range of food that isn't his usual routine and he's served by someone else and you're just thinking where's the lady he was going there sort of seeing all the time and then he goes home and there's two plates on the table and she's there and she's pregnant and it's the um the lady from the supermarket and looks like he's got his life together which is a nice ending well, so i guess he he's got it. something
0: real which is kind of
1: i guess the intent yeah. yeah in the end it was kind of somehow getting completely screwed out of a million bucks was ironically the best thing that probably could have ever happened to him um and like I said, I was one hundred percent invested. Roy and Angela, I'm in, and <laughs> even just that last interaction, which, which in I think in a lot of movies could have gone bad, but I think they did this really well. You, there was still that awesome chemistry between the two, and you, like although he obviously realised, hang on, you're not my daughter. Like they still had that little dynamic. Like um, it, oh, I can't remember he. She basically said, "Oh, what are you going to ground me? Because um, oh, of the clothes she was wearing." He goes, oh, "Do you usually go out looking like that?" And she goes, oh, "I do." Right. And He goes, "What are you going to do? Ground me?" And it's just they still had that really nice chemistry, and I'm still sitting there going, "Oh, I just look, <laughs> like, she deserves it. Like these, I love. I love these two. Like they're just awesome together." Um, yeah, it was just it was actually quite a really nice way to finish the movie um, in what could have gone a completely different way, but now um, it's good
3: yeah and the other good thing about their relationship and just their acting just a couple of interesting facts nicholas cage the way he progressed from having those twitches and um, nervous behaviors at the start of the film compared to at the end of the film and the fact that they i listened to the director's commentary as well so i know a couple of little facts which is interesting Mm -hmm. but they filmed it out of sequence, obviously, because that's how you, you film movies. They just filmed scenes here and there, all over the place. But the way he could just know where his character was at each time and just do the right level of the nervous ticks and all that sort of stuff, and it just worked in order. Put it all together, and it just worked. Mm-hmm. It's a good, it's good acting. I think, good. Yeah, I
0: think it was superb. It was like you know, the, like you know, for all the flaws I think that it has, um, you know, he was superb in that role. Like you know, he. You can't fault, like, you know, his portrayal of someone with, you know, neurosis and OCD, and like, it kind of, you know, it's like, that's a solid performance. Again,
1: though, Nick, Nicholas Cage likes playing weird characters. What? Um, which actually brings us on to our next segment, we'll, and we'll, I'll give you a sec, Michael, the cast, like, how. What what were our thoughts across the movie in terms of, of how of the cast overall? Um,
0: well, I guess to touch on you know Nick Cage first, like um you know I've said it a few times, New World's performance great. Um, he often he doesn't pick his roles for the acclaim that it brings. He he picks them for the the interest and in the art. And he's recently I guess because he's you know he got the um his new film coming out, which is the uh, unbearable weight of impressive talent. Um. You know, and that he's been... So he's in the media, like been asked about those things. Um, Yeah, I read that, like, you know, he does pick things because they're interesting or they're, you know, he's an artist versus, like, you know, a commodity in that regard.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. I thought he was, he was a really good, strong performance um, across the movie. As you said, Glenn, the the way he was able to, you know, you look at him at the start and you look at him in the end and they're, they're almost like two completely different people. And if, you, and if they have done that out of sequence, and he's able to, to sort of, I guess juggle that and work out exactly where it's at, that's it. That's that's awesome. It just shows why he he, he won an Oscar, uh, and why he's, he's just an outstanding actor. Glenn, thoughts?
3: Yeah, he's he's just got such a good range of, um, just his acting range. He's just done so much different stuff, hasn't he? So yeah, mm. he's just we could just do a Nicolas Cage podcast every week. Well, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. It's just you could he's everything he does is so different as well, which is makes it just really interesting as well. Just doesn't get boring. Now um, guess, the other actor I liked in this was um I back twenty years ago, I was a big fan of Alison Lohman. She had a she had a moment I think back in the early two thousands where she was in a few films that I quite liked. Um, But she actually quit acting after 2009 and um, only did one or two things after that, which was interesting. Um, She was really good in Drag Me to Hell and um, she was in um, a couple other movies I watched, which, yeah, aren't exactly the most memorable, but I remember, yeah, quite liking her as well.
0: I think one of the, like, you know, on the trivia note and her, like, you know, she actually looked quite young um, and, you know, The an interesting part of it is that um
3: She was twenty two.
0: She was twenty two, like or twenty-three at the time. And um but yeah, Ridley Scott only realised her age when she told him, like, you know, yeah, I'm I'm twenty-three. And so it was kinda is interesting, you know, knowing that and when and I think there was the vibe of it. There was something that kind of said, Oh, maybe she is a bit older, like, you know, like I'm twenty one. Like, you know, it's like, maybe you are twenty-one. Um and (laughs) Like you know, you, Nick Cage or Roy says to like you know to Angelus like you know, you know you're you um, you're all grown up and he's good. I am grown up. Like you know, it's like mm-hmm. she's she is, mm-hmm. like you know she's older. It's like yeah, that's kind of nice.
3: Like apparently when they were filming oh, it, I- um, like they were filming and working and at the end of the day, you know Ridley Scott or whoever would say to her, do you need is someone picking you up? Do you need to leave home? And she's like, I. <laughs> I'm twenty, you know, twenty-two or whatever
1: it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> right, mate. I can drive. Um, yeah. I thought her performance was excellent, um, so convincing as a fourteen-year-old. Like it's like it, the complete polar opposite of when you see her at the end and when you see her during the movie. It, it it's it's huge. It's just incredible, and I just thought her performance was so. Um, convincing as, as a fourteen year old girl. Uh, and again, as I said, I was invested in in those two. And I honestly up until the point and look, I'd read some of the trivia before I'd actually watched the movies stupidly, but um, I was I would have been convinced that she would not have been any older than fifteen, because they usually play a little bit older in a you know, movie compared to what they what the character is. But yeah, I would have dead set never picked her to be a 22, 23 year twenty-three-year-old girl. The way she played that fourteen—essentially nine
3: years, years old. Yeah. yeah, and that the, was outstanding. The other good thing, while we're just talking about her quickly, the first day that I think she met Nicolas Cage, or the first day of filming, was that scene at the park where she meets him. And the same day, they did a that other scene at the park, right at the end of the movie, where she's like in tears with him and really close and hugging him and stuff, like. The whole beginning of the relationship and the very end of their relationship was filmed on the same day, the first day, and she was able to just have that chemistry like straight away.
0: It's pretty good, which
3: is pretty impressive.
0: I thought, like you know, I mean, yeah. I you know, and maybe this is maybe I'm jaded, Scott. Like you know, because I wanted to believe, um, you know, that <laughs> she wasn't gonna screw screwing my I Really did, um, and like, and I, I guess that's the you know, that's that's close enough, you know, you know. I you know, I look and I really you know, saw the effect of her character on Nick Cages. Um I thought, you know, well I really want this for Nick and but I I knew it in my heart of hearts. It's like it's gonna fall apart, buddy. Like, you know, this is you know this is a this is you've been conned. Um and you know, it just like I if that was always seen this. I haven't seen it. No, I'm pretty really did like that. Did, like, no.
3: did you I'm, read anything before you Not saw at it? all.
0: I like watched this fresh, did you, unlike every other so film that we've you, done.
3: Did you? Um. What? At what point did you think, okay, this is what's really happening here?
0: Uh the skateboard scene at the very beginning. You thought I thought
3: she was scamming she, him from then.
0: Yeah, that's why I thought it was predictable. I thought, like you know, I mean, and like that's a, you know, maybe it's a, you know, my experience with like looking at story and that kind of stuff. Like you know, it is a. What about um Frank? And,
3: Did you Um, suspect Frank at
0: all? Did I suspect Frank? Uh, No, I didn't. But I I think that came a bit later, like, you know. um, But she threw up NQR vibes. And I guess, like, you know, well, I felt he was part of it, but, you know, I couldn't – I didn't pick how. But, you know, there was just – and there were so many clues, like, you know – like, you know, oh, yeah, oh, like, you know, can I look at your stuff? And, you know, she's not staying in the car. She's not doing what he's, like she's being told. And maybe that's, you know, called the behavior of kids. But, you know, um, yeah, it just seemed like, you know, she's putting herself in those places where she needed to be to gather
1: the information. So. Look, ha- having got a 14 year old daughter myself, no, that's 100% right. They don't listen to me at all. <laughs> um, and, and, and coaching, uh, and coaching uh, a heap of under-14 girls in basketball, they don't listen to me either. So I was 100% convinced. I was the and other you way around. You say uh, win and they don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah, dare, yeah. Or dunk it and they never do. It's yeah. <laughs> um, So <laughs> I, I I, 100% frank from from quite early on, as I said, I thought, hang on, he, he's scamming him, was gutted when I realised that Allison um, was part of it did not pick that at all and I, as I said I'd seen this and even when I watched it a second time so I did watch it twice and it's funny Michael like you said there's a lot of reasons now once you know you watch it a second time you can go oh yeah hang on yeah she's not staying in the car she's making sure that she's around she's learning she's picking up what she needs to do and stuff like that so you pick it up on the second watch but on the first watch I had no idea um speaking of frank thoughts on sam rockwell well i know
0: michael you're a fan I, I, you of know I, i'm a fan of sam, sam rockwell and i guess he's the thing i probably should have picked sam rockwell as going to do over um, uh, nicholas cage's character because um he he does that well like he you know, he is you know he has played slime balls and that kind of thing he does play a few anti-heroes and that kind of stuff um across his career but he can come across as quite seedy, you know, he fits that reel. He is the guy that's gonna, you know, he's gonna play all nice, but then he's gonna screw you over. Like, you know, so, you know, thinking about you know, the way he performed, like his performance in those roles and his history of that, I should have gone, oh yeah, he's gonna do you over somehow. Um, but fantastic as well. Like, you know, he's understated in ways and, you know, his intro scene, I thought, yeah, let's, you know, he's really like that kind of montage where he's calling people, you've won his prize. Like, I thought that was really good. Um, yeah like you know i think it was a you know another sole performance and you know great supporting role in terms of Mm -hmm. like you know setting up um you know a friendship like you know well business partnership um you know there is that concern but of course you know that character sees that weakness like you know i can i can prey on this yeah
3: glenn i don't really know much about him really like I've heard the name, and I've probably seen him in a bunch of stuff. But to me, he's the sort of actor that you just don't like. I don't ever see him as like the leading role, or he just seems to be one of those characters that's in a movie and just does his job, and you don't realize that it's him. Like, I, you could probably tell me a bunch of movies he's in, and I'll be like, "Oh, okay." Like, I didn't realize. I just, yeah. To me, he's just the characters. that Do you he want he plays me to, like. to tell you some films? Yeah, sure.
1: Uh, I, I think, um, I think with him, like you said, Glenn, I think he's a good. Using a sporting analogy, he's a good role player. Like he's not your he's not your your big name player, but he's a good solid bloke to to have backing up. Um, and I'll get you to we'll go into your the movies in a sec, Michael. But I actually loved his performance, and I actually reckoned that we needed more of him. I don't think there was enough Sam Rockwell in the movie. Um, like I get why they did why they probably didn't because they didn't want to give anything away. Mm um but i actually really enjoyed his performance and i actually would have liked i mean when the movie was over it was over two hours so we we probably went longer 56. yeah was it so we probably could have got more i mean i'm not a big fan of two-hour movies Mm -hmm. even which sounds stupid because my two favorite movies go for over well over two hours but um yeah, I reckon we could have needed more Sam Rockwell. I thought he was outstanding. I thought it was a really good
0: performance. Mm. Um, but he's got some, Michael, yeah, some similar
1: it. like confessions of a David mind is probably
0: one of my, you know, early experiences with him. Um, and he, he's the lead in that. Um, but I think probably one of his big ones recently where he's not the lead but like you know plays a really big character was um, Vice, uh, where he plays George oh. W. Bush, and he really just embodies yeah. George W. Bush and was really good. Um, it's a good example of what I was saying. Yeah. I've seen that
3: movie, but I didn't realize he—I wouldn't even know he was in it. Yeah,
0: yeah. and look, he, he does fit a role. He, he, you know, he's one of those actors that transforms into the role, and he can, you know. And there's some where, like you know, where he's, you know, plays that scumbag is pretty obvious. Um, but there are some where he, you know, he is the role, and you don't kind of go that's Sam Rockwell You go that's a character oh, who's that being played by um yeah it's the opposite with actors like um Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio who plays Leo DiCaprio in a film and it's like you know here's the character that is Bob played by Leonardo DiCaprio and we're gonna see a Leo film you know he never really there's not a big ch- change for me and that's me maybe that's my kind of um
1: hang-ups with Leo but yeah um <laughs> I um I just kept looking at this bloke it's this is this is the piece. That, this is the dodgy piece of shit from the Green Mile. That's what I kept thinking to myself mm. with him. Yep. <laughs> but um, yeah. No. And he
0: and then we had. I was going to say one of my favourites is Hitchhiker's okay. Guide to the Galaxy, where he plays the, you know, the Zaphod Beeblebrox, which is the um, president of the galaxy, um,
1: and he's just funny in that too. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, and Bruce Altman, uh, who was the. Memory serves the chirop the psychiatrist, my chiropractor. The psychiatrist. I um really enjoyed his performance. He's been in a lot of T V shows, probably more so the movies. Um and Bruce McGill, who I'm still hopeful for that someone might pick him up at the cinematic leap because we may somehow tin our way to Cliffhanger. Um, I thought he was good as well, as the as the the supposed Mark bad guy. Um yeah, I thought he was a uh, was a nice twist with him. Well, yeah. Uh, favorite scene. I was going to say,
0: like on, on Bruce McGill, oh, like again. you know, he kind of you played the mark well, you know. It's like you could see him as like, and he's got a few of those roles where you go, "Hey, you are an
1: asshole." Like you could see why. He yeah, he's a, he's in a lot of movies. He's a he's a big part in a lot of movies. Probably not quite the same. He's probably a similar Sam Rockwell role player, if you want to go down that path. Uh, favorite scene. Uh, Glenn, your movie. I'll throw it over to you first.
3: Um, just a couple of favourite scenes. Basically, any time they're doing a scam, was it's just fun to watch that stuff. I don't know. I would never do it myself, obviously, but it's just the, the way they put it together and the cleverness of tricking people. I liked the lottery laundromat se- um, mm. sequence, the airport sequence where they're swapping over the cash, that sort of stuff. It's fun to watch. There's that risk element to it. Just yeah, quite fun. Good to see them get away with it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. My uh, my I think my or two two of my favourite scenes, uh, where he teaches um Angela to do the con, which is the the laundry con, um, and it's probably just this. It's not that they're trying to, you know, make it the believableness, which is not a word, but the, the ability to make something believable to someone else and then be able to scan them out of it like it's a, it would have been easy for them to pick the same numbers so you go oh my god you won 30 million dollars no 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 you we've got five numbers so we still get a collect we get 300 bucks i think it was or 600 dollars yeah, yeah. whatever it was
3: half half for 600
1: dollars so it's it's believable it's achievable and we can get this money out of this person and just the way you see and how I mean obviously Angela's a con person as we find out later in the movie but just the way they set it up, and how they basically not only do they set up the combat, but then they set up the mark as well. I just I really enjoyed it, and just the and again the reveal. I, look, it probably was a little bit predictable toward as you got towards the end, but again when when I found out that Angela was was actually uh, in on it, it was the biggest kick in the nuts, and I shattered. Uh, and yeah, it's probably not my favourite scene, but it it's the most memorable thing for mm. me. That's the I mean Michaels
0: it, I, I, I was gonna know, to say
1: like, you know, yeah, while yeah. we're like what I think while you
0: know, you were talking about the, the idea of the um like, you know, the few, you know, lesser numbers. And it's interesting that there's that whole, you know, magicians and um and con men and snakes you know, snakeskin or oh, snake oil salesmen, you know, they all kind of tap into that psychology, but that's the interesting thing about um that con artist stuff is like, you know, you know, a little score is probably more enticing than a bigger score. Like, you know, people go, like, you know, um, they're going to be sceptical. Oh, no, I really should give this ticket to the right person if they've dropped it, like, you know, um, you know, if they've got the winning numbers. Whereas, like, you know, oh, this is it's just a little, it's a little sin, you know. No, it's not as bad. We can probably get away with, you know, we could do that. Um, and that is, that is advertising and all this stuff, hypnotism, all that plays into that sort of psychology. There's a lot of science behind that, which is interesting. Go ahead, Glenn.
3: No, you, you do your favourite scene, then I'll say this thing.
0: Oh, okay. My favourite scene. So I was hoping you'd actually talk and I could decide
3: what they were. Um. All right. Well, well, I, I can I can talk. Um, I was just going to – because I did say before I was going to come back to this and I was talking about the ashtray and how um, that was similar to the gun that it was a up for later on. And just to clarify what I meant there, hmm. when she's at the airport and she makes a scene – um after they get into the car at the car park after that she gives him the ashtray she bought in a gift shop and she's and she gives it to him and she says don't worry i paid i paid money for it and he's like oh okay thanks and you know he, he has the little He's got like isn't he quite upset at
0: the too like this is post like you know she's revealed that she got she has been arrested and it's like you know so he's really losing the plot and it's like you know what is that's this? Right. Yeah, that's right. It's like it's, it's a thing I bought you, and I you know
3: I paid for it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and it ties into the dogs before yeah. that she's so, in the apartment.
3: And where it comes back is that whole bit at the ATMs when he's teaching her the scam, and he's like saying to himself, "Stay with the camera, stay with the camera." And then later, when um, uh, the victim guy is in Roy's house, and he says. It was hard to track you down. There's no cameras at the airport, but I couldn't see you on any cameras of the airport, but in the gift shop there was a camera. Mm. And so that's where she led. Well, even that was all a scam anyway, but that's how he found them through her buying that ashtray, which was a gift for her. Well,
0: I mean, and let's put it, put honest though. Like you didn't find him. Like Frank set him up. Like, you know, Frank knows. <laughs> yeah. Frank knows that like, you know, um, that Roy says, Look out for cameras. It's a rule. So you know, exactly. ha- how is you know how is a innocent person going to get undone by it? Um, you know, another so.
3: another good scene. Um, while you're thinking of your favourite scene, I just remembered another good scene was the uh, escaping from the car park and the lady. You know, paying the lady to get out of the car park that and she's funny. just given the change and be really slow with the car in front. And uh, hmm. that 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 wasn't bad. I mean, to say best scene is a bit of a bit far fetched, but it was it was fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, look, you know, I think, you know, looking for positive portrayals of stuff, um, I think Nick Cage's performance, like his, you know, that uh, early scene where he's like, you know, OCD really kicks in and he goes on a house cleaning bender, like, you know, that, that montage and the combination of, like, phone calls. And you know, I, I really like that scene. That was seeing that kind of, you know, sort of helped set up the character for me and, like, really establish, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you know, one, that relationship between Frank and, um, Roy, uh, but also kind of really, you know, highlighted the things Roy needs, which is that structure uh, and like, you know, these rules, despite the fact that he is a willing con man in some ways. Um, and I guess like, you know, there was something nice about like, you know, that sort of, I will teach you this, um, con artist scene, like, you know, the, um, you know, how to scam stuff. And, you know the roy's attempts at being a father like you know they were kind of nice bits like you know um he's like now you're going to give the money back and you're kind of going to... <laughs> um she probably didn't <laughs> let's be honest like you know when we think about it. um and there and also like you know that that legal scene too and like you know likes you know i knew like i said my heart of hearts i knew that like yeah you're being scammed but I, I wanted that to be true um but yeah, there was just too many clues. that said, oh, "Dude, you've being, being stuffed over here." Um,
1: yeah, so I think they're they're my favourites.
2: Hmm.
1: All right, questions, queries, tidbits, things that just didn't quite make sense. Um,
0: I guess the like you know the the safety deposit box scene. You know, stay in the car. She comes in um why he would add her signature to his like you know his access um it just like you know it's kind of like oh this this is a touch maybe this is a touch forced um you know you still need my code to get in it's like you've known this woman for how long like five days she might be your flesh and blood um like you know confident that she wasn't um, why would you give her that sensitive information? It's like, you know, again, that kind of said, you are the mark, Roy. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a, a question.
3: Uh, oh, How about the, the, um, the checkout girl at the supermarket? You see this guy coming through every week or whatever it is, buying a couple of cans of tuna and one other thing, whatever it was. Are you really thinking to yourself, I... I like this guy, so this is a catch, this I, is a catch here. See,
0: here's the thing, I think there were, like, you know, it was not obvious, well, I don't think it was it was very, I didn't think I didn't think it was subtle, but I think there were, they gave her similar attributes, like, she counted, like, you know, she was counting the change, like, you know, she kind of, mm-hmm. like, and every time we saw her counting, them, like, she counted count the money, um, and, like, you know, that was a, a thing, like, you know, um, to me that kind of, that made that link of like, you know, she's a bit neurotic as well. Like, you know, there was that, you know, there was something,
1: you know, that their characters could relate to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. and look, and she just might be just a, a lonely single woman who's a checkout chick who hasn't got much in her life and she continues to see this guy every week because he will only go through her checkout. Mm. So maybe it's just something like that. You're
3: right, like, I, know. Quite I was attractive trying to come up done with- better. <laughs> trying to come up with something that uh, it's a pretty good movie, really. Just, yeah, I mean t- what, it's just, I, yeah, the, what I thought was a deposit box
0: stuff. Yeah. What I thought was interesting about that is the, the faux daughter doesn't actually say anything about oh it looks like you're into her. And I mean I guess is you know it's a nice that she didn't because the audience already knows that like, you know, I think we know he, you know, he's into her. Um but I guess by the same take, like it was nice that that came of something. Like, you know, the conclusion of the film where we do see him go home and, you know, his life has changed for the better. Um, and which is, which is kind of like I thought, you know, I, I actually felt a little bit cheapened because you kind of, you didn't want to, like, you know, whilst Roy was not a nice person in the terms that he would scam money out of people, um, you didn't want him to be the loser. Like, you know, you didn't want him to kind of be absolutely taken for everything. Um, and allegedly in the book that's based on the book um, he is um, but it was a nice scene to like you know all right well you know this this has happened for him. we have seen him move on and you know he's got his house he's got a you know our child on the way um, looks like he's still doing all right you know and he's happier so you know that for me that was a nice link that kind of you know that bit
1: yeah um, for me there's a well the first one was does Nick Cage actually play a normal person outside of conair um yes again reiterating you know what you said Michael uh, would you would he really give up his signature signature card so easily this is a guy who's got a pretty regimented life it does seem a little um odd in that sense the the other one the setup the con so obviously Sam Rockwell is keen to try and get his money seems very elaborate there's a lot of things and look I've, uh, obviously i'm not a comment so he's obviously working on his feet uh, it seems highly dependent on roy losing his drugs and the supplier um oh, yep, yep, yep. and i guess look in any oh, in any heist movie there's always a situation where yeah you sort of there's you have to stretch believability um like, was, was Rockwell's character playing a long con from a long way out and just waiting for an opportunity to stitch Roy up? Um, or is he just really opportunist, opportunistic? I mean, Roy loses his drugs, so he's got that opportunity to go, well, why don't you get <clears throat> speak to this therapist? And then he's got to get the therapist. And then he's got to hope that the therapist says, why? or asks him about his family, oh, I might have had a child um, with my ex-wife, so then he's got to get the therapist to call his wife. There's a lot of things that have to fall in line. And then ultimately, it comes down to him giving his daughter that signature to the authority, and then getting the passcode. Mm-hmm. So, there's, we do have to stretch believability in any movie that we watch, because ultimately, that's Hollywood. But there's a lot of things that have to fall in line for this to work. Definitely, And Also, I, also, I just,
3: <laughs> just um, the number of people impl- employed by him just to make this work. You know, the hospital fake hospital staff, the doctor, the daughter, etc. Why couldn't he just make him... He emptied that safety deposit box himself and put it in a briefcase just for that scam. Just get someone sitting in the booth behind him swap swap over the case while he's talking, doing the scam. And I guess... someone else in the other seat to take out the full one and you've got it and they're done. You don't need all that other stuff. Um,
0: There's a few things there. Um, I want to kind of come back to... What we just talked about? Um, I've forgotten. But I guess... Yeah, like you know, some like some cons are big. Like you know, you want to have the the inner circle planning something, and then you've got, you know, like we've seen, I've seen in other shows where like you know they they'll pay smaller con like you know not other conners to kind of yeah, yeah come do this job for me, you know, like and I'll pay you this much money. Like you know, yeah. it's like contract work in that regard. Um, but uh,
3: oh, what were we talking about just before? We so were talking about this safety deposit box.
0: I. So the the drugs like you know I think like mm. there was his clues early on like you know have you you know you haven't taken your drugs today and like you know well he had we saw that he had um but I think like you know in some ways you know Frank had probably maybe has kind of set that up like you know he's gone hey I know you're um, Nick Cage is a legal supplier um you know Royce supplier for this drug can you just not answer his calls anymore he's ten thousand dollars um yeah you know, because you've got to spend money to make money. Um, so it's just fortunate. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's just point.
0: fortunate that um, he's knocked all his drugs in. It's like he just brings up the timetable. Um, so, you know, unstable. Like, you know, have you taken your drugs? Nah, I need a new supplier. Bang. There's Frank with, I have know a guy. Here's, here's this yeah. number. And like, so it's not, it's not a professional he's going to. It's going to his setup, his plan. And... Then he tells all this information to his plant, and they go, "All right, what's useful? What can we sift through this?" It's like let's take the daughter angle. He's just given a number to call someone. Let's like pretend he has a daughter that you know wants
1: to meet him. Um, And but even but even then, it's reliant on him having a connection with the daughter, and then him giving her access to this. And admittedly, that. They've got to have that relationship for him to happily hand over a signature card. There's a lot of things that have to go right. That was just, just yeah. And again, Hollywood, you've got to suspend a little bit of belief for these things to work, and I think that's the case in any heist movie. Um, Is this really a black comedy? Ooh. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought thought it's a black comedy. I don't think it's necessarily a funny movie. I don't think it's... um, and that was probably my next question. Is this actually a heist movie? Um, so, a heist movie is is, is normally like, and it's say, The Italian Job, is where you've got a group of people that are trying to rip off a mark, um, and that's the basis of the movie. Is this a heist movie in the fact that, but it's a reverse heist movie? We don't realise that the character that we're invested in is actually the one being. The victim. Is actually. He's actually the victim. He's actually having the heist done on them. I would think it's probably closer to a heist movie than a black comedy. I mean, it's a black comedy
0: in the sense that, like, you know, the, you know, Roy loses everything. Like, you know, he is the protagonist. He, you know, we believe he, as the character, is, like, leading a lot of this stuff. And then at the end, you know, he's the one who, you know, loses it all. And, you know, there's, like, you know, this series of kind of, like, you know, revelations that, like, you know, Dude, you've been you've been screwed. Um, so I, I kind of feel that it's you know, blackish, it's not the blackest. Um, but it certainly kind of, you know, has, you know, strong links with that heist vibe, you know, that kind of, you know, that crime, um, ripping someone off vibe. And you know, the, the soundtrack backs it up, you know, with that the way the bass kind of works, you know, the do 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 do, you know, that sort of thing, you know, kind of links that heist thing. So I think, yeah, combo of the two.
1: Uh, trivia? model. Trivia? Trivia. There's not a, there's
0: not a stack of trivia on this one. Um,
3: Roy's feels... I, I can start. Okay, you go. I've got... Oh. You, I'll, just do, I'll just do one I know before you do yours, because sure. this is interesting. So, someone's got, probably got a look. Um, This one, I know just from watching the director commentary just earlier um, with the writers as well. So as you know, it was adapted from a book um but the actual script the first draft of the script they decided let's leave the twist off let's make this a story about a father and a daughter and their relationship and him you know becoming a better person that was literally the first draft and apparently Ridley Scott um, got a hold of this script and knew the book and he read the script and just everyone who read the script just said to the writers where's the twist and they were like oh we didn't we thought it would be too obvious and we didn't want to put it in and he's like no you need you need the twist yeah and so, he he he's the one
0: that said that let's add the one year later scene you know that so he's not kind of yes they added that too yeah yep yeah
1: which i think they needed it.
0: definitely i felt like it, if it had ended there i probably would have hated this movie i probably would have just gone ah oh. 'Cause you're right, you do like you, you do feel cheated, just going like, dude, I just invested all this time in this guy wanting to have a daughter a relationship, you know. Um, even though I could saw her, it were coming. Um and you've you've just left him on the beach shattered. Um, yeah. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Roy's pills are actually Benadryl and over the over the counter allergy medicine. That's an interesting one. Uh, Frank Mercer was named for Frank Sinatra and Johnny Mercer. Uh, Roy Walder is seen playing records of the two. So they're the sound, like, you know, some of the soundtrack things. Um, interestingly, it's off, it's post 9 11 at this stage. Um, so security's actually increased at airports. Um, so they couldn't they actually couldn't film it at airport. Yeah, they couldn't film it at airport. It's so actually sh- shot at the at Anaheim Convention Center, south of Disneyland. So. Mm. Um mm-hmm. And Bruce McGill and Bruce Altman also appear in Recount. I have no idea what that film is.
3: That's it. That's all I've got. Maybe we'll get to that one next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you never know. We never know. Uh, all right, final thoughts, and then we give our rating. Obviously, we give our rating out of 10, 10 being a superb movie, uh, one being a terrible movie, and five being somewhere in between. So, Michael, uh, I'll throw it over to you first final thoughts thoughts um i thought
0: like you know like a you know i said at the start this it was a little bit predictable um and maybe that's i'm a jaded sort of person but i i could i felt it the whole way film and maybe it's because i knew it was a glenn film <laughs> i don't know it's like glenn's talking with this film i need oh. to be <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's true but um <laughs> i'm gonna be ultra critical <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like you know i as much as i wanted the relationship between nick and um uh Allison's characters Roy and Angela to kind of to be true and be real I I could see it wasn't coming like I you know there was going to be a you know the con was you know him um it was it was enjoyable um it you know it it was entertaining I don't think it's probably the best film in its class In that kind of you know that heist sort of you know con like you know con artist thing um you probably get you know, and it's a little bit mainstream, but you'd probably get a little bit more joy out of your um, Ocean's Eleven kind of films in that regard. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. So, yeah. Rating,
1: rating out six. of six. Glenn, I'll leave you to last because you obviously chose the movie. So I'll leave you to last, which I think Me, um, I enjoyed it. It, it's just an enjoyable watch, um, even on the second watch when I knew what was going on. Um, it was still an enjoyable watch. Um, it's to, to you know, There's a lot of things. As I said, I was 100% invested in even the second time. And it, and it, it the second time watching it, obviously, I know what's going to happen. So you're looking for those little triggers, um, Michael, that you obviously picked up on the first watch, which I didn't because I was I just... I just enjoyed watching the chemistry between um, Cage and Loman um, or Roy and Angela. Um, yeah, I, look, it's just a really enjoyable movie. I think it is a heist movie. I always love a good heist movie. Uh, you you give me even a half-decent heist movie and you'll keep me entertained for an hour and a half to two hours because it's, there's just something about it. Glenn, you've mentioned it before. It's really interesting to watch how these things happen. Um that's why I love the Oceans 11, 12, 13 movies. Oceans 8, I, I enjoyed. Um, you know, anything, you throw me a heist movie, I'm, I'm happy. And I think this is what this movie is, although it's like a reverse heist movie where the person we're actually watching for and, you know, we're, we're supporting is actually the bloke that's getting scammed, which is the opposite of what we usually get in a heist movie. I give it a seven, um, which, which probably... I, might be considered high, but I think I, I actually did enjoy it. I've watched it twice. I've enjoyed it both times. I'll give it a seven. Glenn, your movie. What are your thoughts?
3: Seven
1: doesn't need doesn't need a sum up. Seven. <laughs> I think I've said enough. Need, no <laughs> no summation. No summation. That's it. I've said
3: enough. Uh, well, for, it's a Ridley Scott movie. I don't like a lot of his movies, to be honest. Like, if I had to pick a favorite, it would obviously probably be The Martian. Um, A lot of what I've seen, I don't like that much, and I'm just not interested in a lot that I haven't seen anyway. So, if you, I don't know if you're expecting me to say more than seven, but I think seven is fair.
1: Well, that's fine. Now, I I, seven. So you, your seven, my seven, and Michael's six gives us a total score of twenty, which actually puts it into the second. On the list behind *The Martian*, which was an out-and-out out, uh, outlier, at from what I remember, 26 and a half. Just a, and this is just ahead of *The born Identity* on 18 and a half, and then adapt, *Adaptation*. sorry not *Adaptation*. *Adaptation* on 18, which is ridiculously rated. considering Glenn gave to 10. Too generous. Um, so you've now slipped out of the bronze medal position, Glenn. Can't help it. Unlucky. But, you're, but, your other, but your second movie is sitting in the silver medal position. So uh, well done. I think we're going to have to... It'll be interesting to see what can knock off The Martian because they did get very high ratings across the board. Um, so, yeah, so that puts, at the moment, Matchstick Men as the second best movie that we've watched out of the four so far. Uh, Glenn, socials, where can people find us? Oh,
3: yeah. Um on Facebook. Um cinematically. Cinematic Cinem- just cinematic leap. Yeah, and same Twitter cinematic leap. Yep. Yeah, easy.
1: Alright. So it is at this point of the podcast that we do make our cinematic leap. Cinematic leap. All right, Glenn, so you chose the last movie. Matchstick Men. Yes. So you get to sit this yeah. one out. So, Micah, over to you to choose who we're taking our cinematic leap with. Now, before we do that, Nicholas Cage cannot be selected. Uh, just for the audience out there, we originally were looking in terms of movie pods, we'd originally started to do Nick Cage movies. Um, Glenn chose adaptation. It was then that we chose to go down the premise of Cinematic Leap. As such, we've considered that a selection of a Nick Cage movie, so he's ineligible at this time. And
0: I guess that's based on episode 02 with Con Air, like, you know, which was our, you know, the hidden episode. Maybe it'll come out one day. Who knows?
1: Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. It's <laughs> so over to you, Mike. All right. Who are you choosing? Well, obviously, without being able to, I get to
0: well, them, maybe, be yeah. able to pick Nick Cage, you know, um, I like there were two. Do you need
3: recommendations?
0: I know oh, I did not need render recommendations. In fact, Glenn, like I just want to, I want to put to bed <laughs> some things like this whole gaming the system, guys. Like you know, you know, because there's message chats going on. Um, you know, I'll not have it. You know, I will pick my, my <laughs> people, and I will not take any influence from others. Um, sorry, I'm, I, like I was looking through the list, and uh, there's two that kind of come to mind, and uh, one is John Matheson, who is the cinematographer. Um, and he's got an impressive uh, list of, like, credits um, and films that I've kind of, like, and you know, I've enjoyed and, you know, sort of, like, seen. Um, but I think when I... Ooh, Plunkin' McLean, that was a great film. Um, when I kind of boiled down to it, um, you know, I think I've really enjoyed Sam Rockwell's work in the past and, in, and recently as well. I mean, there's a particular film that I definitely hope doesn't get up. Um, but some others that are rippers like Vice and, you know, um, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Uh, there's Moon, which I haven't seen, but he's also been in Iron Man too. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, um, things. He's actually, interestingly, uh, he has 112 acting credits to his name uh, and Nick Cage has 110.
1: So, yeah, you know. So that means that Sam Rockwell is either better or just a slightly
0: more prolific, yeah.
1: Yeah, probably not going to happen, Glenn. You can put your phone away. <laughs> um, all right, so Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. So <laughs> I, I had a feeling that that this was where you were heading. So realistically for me, there's probably only two movies that really that really jumped out at me. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen Iron Man yet, which might make people think I'm an idiot, but I haven't. So I'm not going to choose Iron Man 2 because... I'd want to see the original yeah, first. Yeah, it's probably a good plan. Yeah, I mean, I could watch yeah. the There's a whole... I probably could just watch the original quite bit. easily just before it, but I'm not going to.
3: Jojo Rabbit, trust me.
1: So, oh, God, please do not do Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> no, no, that that wasn't in my, uh, in my top three. So third, and the one that I certainly won't be picking, is Richard Jewell. I actually didn't mind that movie, uh, based on a true story. Uh, but they won't be selected. So it came down to two, and it was a fairly easy selection of these two. The first one was The Green Mile, uh, a movie that I've seen multiple times, would have given us an opportunity to throw in a Tom Hanks early, and Tom Hanks has got a pretty good back book in terms of movies, so it could have opened up a lot of good op- options there. Um, but I'm actually gonna go for a movie that I have not seen yet. Ooh. So, I figure I might as well use this pod as an excuse to start watching a few movies that I haven't seen. It's been on the radar for a while. Um, I think its name almost goes as long as how how long the movie seems to go for based on uh, runtime. But we're gonna go for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm so Brad Pitt, okay. Casey Affleck um, yeah so opens up a few options down the track but it's a movie I haven't seen I've heard some good reports it does go for two hours and fifty minutes so boys sit back uh, <laughs> set yourself in because it's a long ride but gentlemen that's what we're going for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford and like that he's gone in case I don't see ya Good afternoon, good evening, and
2: good
0: night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.